live stream here from here in the ministry center. And uh, from here on out, I'll be pre-recording the teachings or whatever's going on so that you can watch them on Friday night or on Shabbat day or however you want to do that. And because uh, we do know that when we live stream that sometimes there are issues, technical issues at the receiving end, whereas if they're pre-recorded, they're, they're, uh, they don't buffer so much and they work well. Anyways, you may be wondering why there's a tree on the screen. Well, that's what Dan Remark and myself and Steve are here to describe. Thursday evening, we had a marathon elders meeting. Three and a half hours? Four. Four. <laughs> Felt like eight, but it was only four hours long. And we figured out how to build a tree. So that's what we're here to, to share with you. Uh, we realize there's been a lot of confusion because there hasn't been a lot of information going out to where's Beth the Coon going. So um, the name of this, <laughs> this, uh, th- this teaching time, I guess we call it, I don't know, information time, we're calling it Here We Grow. And uh, this tree is a picture of Beth the Coon. And so Dan is going to come and describe the trunk to you. I'll come back and I'll describe the branches. And uh, Tim is going, or uh, Steve will then come along and give us some more information. And uh, we'll wrap this up with a questionnaire that I want to produce and uh, share with you. So um, I probably wouldn't be stuttering so much if I prayed first. So let's have a word of prayer. And Tim, do you want Dan to sit in the stool next to me? Okay. So our Father and King, we thank you so much for this this new direction, not necessarily a new direction, but a new development, a new stage in Beth Takoon's growth and history. And we just praise you so much for being a part of this special place. So Father, as, as Dan and Steve and I share information with our, with our people, I pray there be no room for the enemy. to insert misconceptions, misunderstandings, and in any way undermine the beautiful thing that you're doing in our midst. So, Father, thank you for this holy day. And thank you for my holy friends. And I pray you'd bless us as we, as we enter into this historic moment in Beth Takoon's history. For Lord, even though we know that each of us is not our own, we're bought with a price. Well, that goes for this wonderful community as well. This community does not belong to this community. It belongs to you. You're our king. And we're your flock. So Father, give us the courage to follow you where you'll lead us. Because we know that every decision you make for us is absolutely the best. It is perfect. So, Father, bless Dan as he speaks, bless Steve as he shares, and myself, and all those who hear us. And may you be pleased with how we present the information that you have led our hearts to present today. We ask it all in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Grant. So, in keeping with the spirit of uh, a few words so that I don't cause confusion in this. I get to read. (laughs) So the Wadsworth Church building is going to be available 
for weekly Sabbath gatherings starting February 6th. On February 6th, all of Beth Takun will meet for a Torah service. And after the 6th, the Wadsworth Nazarene Church will be open for continued Sabbath services. The organization, the organization of Wadsworth is starting to take shape, and there have been dry runs on Sabbath in order to limit the hiccups when we start using the building on a regular basis. As with all of Beth Takoon's moves, the structure at Wadsworth will be different. There will be prayer, teaching, grants pre-recorded teaching, as well as classes in discipleship, such as Beth Takoon's core principles, elementary principles, Hayasod, and exciting additional teachings that are in the works here at the Ministry Center. There will be child care and Onig. These aspects, though similar to the past, will be different. The opportunity for everyone to be in an intimate and active participant, just like in home fellowships, will be the goal. There will be more details to follow. So I'm keeping it very simple. I know there has not been much said about the Wadsworth Fellowship it has been difficult to balance the home fellowship vision with what appears to be a contradiction. God has placed on the hearts of some to meet as a fellowship at Wadsworth, and God has placed on the hearts of some to meet in the home. That is, however, consistent with the Hebraic thought process that we have been taught so well. It's both. And this is how we will move forward. And it's found in the Bethlehem Statement of Faith. And it reads, Our goals as the people of God are to be followers of Yeshua, the Messiah, to be holy, kadosh, set apart unto God our Father, to live righteous and godly lives in this world, to be equally clean in our conscious inner man, and in our walk, and to be full of love for one another. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. So here's the image of a tree. Let me explain this to you and, and help you to understand and, and keep this image locked in your mind. You know, throughout the scriptures, individuals are compared to trees. God created trees to teach us about ourselves. It's also a picture of our community. And you can look at this tree and you can think, first of all, it starts in the bottom and it grows up, correct? And we can look at the, the trunk of this tree as being Bethlehem's history. And we don't abandon the history, we build upon it. And uh, this part up here is what's something is something that's been neglected to a bit, but God has led us to a point to really begin to launch into this. Because you see the the tree trunk begins to grow branches. And a tree trunk without branches is called a stump. It's not alive, it's dead. But how can branches exist without the trunk supporting it? 
I want you to keep this image in mind, this, this sentence in mind. If you need to write it down, need to memorize it, it's this. The trunk and the branches are not two separate entities. They are one united entity serving two distinct functions. So we have a trunk. It's going to be meeting at uh, the Wadsworth building. As long as we have that building, it'll be meeting somewhere. And, um, but God has put a pioneering spirit in some individuals to begin to branch out into the homes. And why is this so important? Because the great fruitfulness of a tree is not found at the trunk. Strength, consistency, and nourishment comes through the trunk, but the fruit comes at the branches. And for too long, Beth de Kuhn has not really fulfilled its destiny in outreach. The teachings have been going out, but the people have not. We support missionaries around the world, but God is really put up on our hearts, my heart and others. It's time for us to begin reaching our neighborhoods and our communities. And whereas a lot of people will not come into our church, they'll come into our homes. So let me give you a few things to think about. We're not calling these home churches. We're calling them Sabbath home fellowships. Sabbath home fellowships. And they serve a, a number of purposes. First of all, outreach. And I'm not sure that these are in any particular order, that one's more important than another, but outreach is very important. We all know people in our neighborhoods that probably, if you're following Torah, think you're a little weird. You're worshiping on the wrong day. You're not eating all the things they eat. They see you building little huts in your backyard during the fall. And, uh, and they're wondering, what makes these people tick? Well, if they asked you, what makes you tick? Why are you different? Say, well, come over on Shabbat morning or Friday evening and uh, whenever you, your fellowship meets in your home and meet some of the people there. Another thing this does is that we have many people at Beth Kuhn who have leadership abilities and teaching abilities, and this gives an opportunity for those abilities to develop. So leadership and teacher development. I honed my teaching skills over a period of many years in home fellowships. In fact, before Beth the Coon was Beth the Coon, the people that were the first, the, the first, uh, first taproot of Beth the Coon met Phil and Heather's home. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And I have so many wonderful memories of uh, us kind of feeling our way through. I was just starting to, i just come back from Israel starting to read the Torah, trying to learn Hebrew, figure out these Jewish festivals. And it was in your home. We said, let's take a year and go through this and, and, and do these feasts, which I knew nothing about. I was just learning. And we were all the guinea pigs. And we did that for three years. And by the end of those three years, our concept of who God was had so come into sharper for, focus and our intimacy and love and union with one another around Yeshua and the Torah had grown so strong that we became Beth Takun. Beth Takun is a home fellowship. 
that grew into this, this thing, this beautiful community. And so we want to give and extend that opportunity to more people who have, a, like I said, a pioneering spirit and sense this is something I want. I want to be a part of this. I want to, uh, to host. I want to help facilitate. I want to figure this out. But there's something leaps in my heart. And if that's you, then we want to talk to you. Also, what this also does is um, it provides a great sense of flexibility. In the past, we've rented buildings. And those buildings were available to us for a, a small window of time. Most of the time, it's been on a Shabbat morning. I remember we spent about four years in a Seventh-day Adventist church, and since they were using it in the morning, we met in the evening from about 3.34 o'clock until about 7.38 o'clock. Did that for four years. It was wonderful. Then when we got a different building, we went back to morning. But you know what? A home, a Sabbath home of fellowship can meet any time within those 24 hours and celebrate the Sabbath, enter into this sacred time together, spend time in prayer, spend time in study, Spend time in, in eating. Spirit, soul, body. Those three things are, are three, the three legs of the stool that can't fall over. Those are the three legs that bring stability. Another thing, too, is greater fruitfulness. Remember, fruit grows on the branches. And I know that even though over the years we've met in a building for two or three hours on a Shabbat, there has been hospitality extended throughout the week, air of Shabbat meals, and how fruitful those have been, Bible studies during the week, conversations. Everybody's involved in this fruitfulness. But um, there are some who want to devote themselves to being a branch, who want to devote themselves to pouring their energies into a small group of people, watching that small group grow and then divide into two more branches, and watching those divide into four more and eight more. Now, we have branches all around the world who are meeting in home fellowships. And uh, we have something special for you, too, so stay tuned. In the coming weeks, we want to reach out to you well and, and bring you in and uh, recognize you as a part of this tree called Beth Tikkun Messianic Fellowship. But I want to talk a bit, too, just about the home itself. Why is the home so important? You know, most churches, when they they grow and begin to branch out, what they do is they look for places to build new buildings. And that's okay. It works. You know, it, it has worked. But buildings can come and go. And we have learned the hard way that at the whim of a leader at a building, a building can be taken away from us. And we know historically, through the history of God's redeemed community, and the Jewish people have learned this in their history as well. Synagogues and churches can be closed and shut down. God forbid that should ever happen. But we know that that is always a possibility. But until they throw us out of our homes, our homes are ours. Our homes are a place where we can meet. There's something about the home I want you to, to really hold on to. And if this is not true of your home, fix it and make it so. Homes are sacred space. Homes are sacred space. And I knew 
growing up, though, I, I thought going down the street to the building with the big pointy thing on top, that's where you went to do religious things and Bible things and prayer. And those things did happen there. They did indeed, and it had a profound effect on my life. But it wasn't until later, when someone took me under their wing, began to disciple me, I began to realize the things that happened in that building need to happen in my own room, in my own house, on a daily basis. And you see, your home is sacred because of this. It's where you live. If you have a mezuzah on your door and you are intentional about what that means, that means the moment someone crosses across the threshold where that mezuzah is, that mezuzah that proclaims, you're now on God's turf. When you enter this place, you're entering his kingdom where his rules are at work. They're in play. We do things his way. It is sacred space. It's also very intimate space. You know you can invite someone to your, your synagogue or to your, your church building, but when you do, they look at that as recruitment. When you invite them into their home, your home, they look at that as hospitality and friendship. There's something that you can do in your home that cannot happen in any other place, and that's called hospitality. Because when you extend hospitality, there's this underwritten, uh, under, uh, under the surface awareness that you are making yourself vulnerable. When you have a beautiful building to meet in, there's no vulnerability. When you invite them into your home, they might see some dust on the furniture. They might see some clutter. They might see some chips in the paint. But you're saying, I love you enough, and I'm trusting you enough. Come into my home. This is where I live. And, uh, and there's a sense of feeling honored whenever someone invites you into their home. Isn't that the truth? It's going to take fearlessness. It's going to take courage to do this because you're inviting them into your private space. But when you do that, there's a much heightened sense of reality because this is where I live. And being willing to branch out, to move out a little bit, take a bit of a risk, and open yourselves to people who so much need what Beth the Coon stands for, especially in these dark days. I believe that in the, this time when we were discussing it, we, our prayer time took a different form this morning. God's Spirit just moved here, and we all began to express, all of us did, how much stress we all feel just because of the time in which we live whether it's working in a hospital or just in the family, at, 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 at work, at school, in the neighborhood, in the news, it's just like this undergird, just like a, a, things are vibrating with stress every, all everywhere around us. And it's in these days that God has moved us as elders, as Beth de Kuhn, to begin to really show life, 
to really reach out to people who need us more than they've ever needed us before. Especially in a time when so many churches are closing up. Some of them temporarily, some permanently, and they've shrunken down. It seems like the presence out there speaking the word has diminished some. So God is asking us, inspiring us to begin to move out, to branch out, and to bear great fruit. This has nothing to do with a tree or uh, at least maybe if I, as I circle around a little bit, I'll find a place to land and bring this together. But one of the things I was sharing this morning, and I hope this gives you comfort. This is just a little rabbi trail. Um, in the book I'm reading by Rabbi Itzhak Shapira, COVID-19, the uh, Basora, the gospel, the good news according to COVID-19, was a weird, weird title. This is an Orthodox rabbi who is rabbinically trained, lives in Israel, but a believer in Yeshua. And he is quoting the prophet Isaiah, who, who talks about, build a highway for the king. Make the high places low. Make the crooked places straight. Fill in the low places. Prepare this highway for the king, because our king is coming. And when he said that, when he quoted that, that uh, passage, he's, he's talking about how this COVID and then all the things that go along with it, it's been like a domino effect. All the stress, all the changes in society. He says, this is God building this highway. When you think about it, when a highway is built, it's very destructive. You're knocking out hills, you're making tunnels, you're taking roads that have been established for years and you're, you're changing their path and making them straight, you're filling in low places. A lot of destruction, a lot of bulldozing, a lot of change. But if we look at what God is doing in the world today, and he is on his throne, he's running the world, all the stress, all this destruction, all the disease, all the turmoil, it's God's bulldozer at work. And if we can look at it in that light, that we're making a pathway for the king, and God's going to use this, then we don't have to fear all the changes that are taking place in our lives. And instead, we realize we can cooperate with him as he prepares to bring his kingdom to earth. Oh, I hope it's in our lifetimes. I have this growing sense that it is. And maybe it's not that he's coming soon. Maybe I'm going to him soon. But whichever it is, I'm going to find myself doing what he wants me to do. And so if God has called you to, to, uh, to meet at the Wadsworth building to continue to send your nourishment and your prayers to those who are developing these Sabbath home fellowships, please do that. Lift us up in prayer. And I'm going to covenant with all of those of you who begin Sabbath Home Fellowships are part of one now. Pray for the people who are meeting and praying for you every week at this building in Wadsworth. And then when we come together, the first about of each month, what a celebration that'll be. I'm, I'm grateful for the few faces I get to see each week and they, the change, you know, the, the attendees here change, but to see all of us together again, can't wait. What a celebration. We're not, again, we, the trunk and the branches are not 
two separate entities. They are not. The enemy would love us to think that they are, and then we get in this tug of war. But the branches need the trunk, the trunk needs the branches. We are not two separate entities. We're one united entity serving two distinct functions. It's going to take courage to do this. It takes courage to do anything for the Lord. It doesn't take courage. You're probably not following him. Because uh, being a disciple of our Messiah always has taken guts. It always has. But you know what? Beth the Coon is made up of gutsy people. You've had to make a lot of changes in your life to be part of this crazy organization. And you've all had to stand up some ridicule from family and, and friends and, and um, the community you may have been a part of at one time. So, we don't lack courage. But I'm going to ask you to call upon it and to love one another and let God make us into this, this new thing, this new stage. And um, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be good. It's going to be very fruitful. It really is. So to help address all your fears, Steve is here. He has his calming voice. You mm-hmm. have to speak up. His calming demeanor and his experiences with Sabbath Home Fellowships. It's all going to be really good. So Steve, I'm going to turn it over to you, and then I'll come mm-hmm. back at the end, and I want to introduce what we're going to do next practically to help bring this, uh, bring this about. So Steve, it's all yours. Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, first of all, I'm going to, you know, like with any good program, there's always a commercial break somewhere. So I have two commercial ads I'm going <laughs> to stick in. And then we're going to come back and talk about um, the Home Fellowship and Wadsworth and, and Beth DeCoon really moving forward. So my two quick ads are, um, I've been asked to make these, so I'm going to put them in. Uh, one is, I've been putting out a newsletter for a month or so uh, to fam- for families primarily, or f- but to everybody. It's called Restoring Home, and um, Grant had a list of 350 emails who were on his uh, weekly Thursday newsletter that's been going out, and uh, some of you are not on that list, on his list or therefore on my list, even though I've added a few who've found me and said, I, I, I'd like to get that newsletter for the family. So um, if you are not on um, my list that goes out every Tuesday, it's, it's uh, called Restoring Home. If you're not on that and you would like to receive that in your email, then what you need to do is send me uh, an email at steve, it's steve at bethdecoon.com. So if you'll send an email to me and say, put me on the Restoring Home or on your newsletter, I'll do that, steve at bethdecoon.com. If you want to also be added to grants, I'm sure you need to send an email to him, and, um, and he will add you on that list as well. Mail at bethdecoon.com. Mail at M-A-I-L. And, then, and that goes out every Thursday. His newsletter goes out pretty much every Thursday. And it's f- it goes out on Friday. Except <laughs> this week, but Friday, that's right. So um, but anyway, if you want on those, to get those newsletters, newsletters which will be full of announcements as well as encouraging information and so forth, then, then just tell us and we'll add you. You weren't left off on purpose. We just didn't have that uh, knowledge that you wanted to be on there. Um, the other ad is with regard to discipleship plans. The elders, myself, have been working for several months on coming up with a plan for discipleship. That's one of my uh, assignments the elders gave me when I first came. And so we're, we're right at the brink of launching that. We have a plan, a really good one, by the way, 
I think is very good. I'm looking forward to it myself uh, to, because there are some things on there that, that are going to be new to me and that I want to participate in uh, to learn from. So we have a plan of uh, different studies and tools and skills that we want to make available. And really we want uh, Beth to, to, uh, to gain, to use. And so we're going to, uh, we need to know uh, your interest. And uh, so we have uh, a little survey to send out with some of those uh, items listed there. And we want to know, get your feedback on which ones you might be interested in uh, participating in uh, this year. And so it's, we, we have that survey ready. We need to get it out. And um, we need you to take it and, and, f- and give us some feedback. And Dan referred to this um, in his uh, introduction there. It was kind of quickly mentioned, but it, it's uh, some of the classes, or the teaching, the um, short studies that would be done on things like the feasts and um, how to read Hebrew or um, basic Bible study skills or um, other discipleship um, information, high sewed classes, that kind of thing. So we need to find out what your interest is, and, and then we'll get things set up, and we'll set a calendar, and there are many of the elders ready to, to lead and others ready to lead those classes. So um, if you are interested in that, then send me an email, steve at bethtacoon.com. Send me an email, say, yes, I would like the survey or send me the survey. Plus, we're going to have in our newsletter other ways to, that you can find that survey. So one way is to, is to contact me and let me know you're interested but we'll be getting that out in several forms. When you see it, take it really quickly. It'll take probably two minutes and go through it and then re- respond quickly so we can get a calendar set up and get the ball on the road. All right, end of commercial. So commercial break. We're coming back. Didn't try to sell you on anything. Okay, um, my assignment, uh, Grant and I were talking a week, I guess a week or so ago about home fellowship and, and about the direction for everything that's going on. And I started talking about what I thought about home fellowships. And he said, well, you ought to say that. So that's how I got this job. I should have been quiet, I think, and not spoken up. But he said, you do that. And so here I am. Uh, What I'm going to do here or attempt to do here in a few minutes is just give a a brief understanding uh, of what a home fellowship would be like or look like uh, in our experience. And Donna and I have had um, some years of experience in things that are could be called home fellowships, small home groups uh, that have been called all kinds of names, but it's basically uh, the body of Christ meeting in somebody's house um, or in their front yard in, in East Africa when we were there, but meeting in the home. And that's how uh, many of these fellowships that grew and multiplied um, started, was just in somebody's home. Somebody had interest and invited us over and we started to to do the things I'm going to share with you today. And so um, my goal here is to tell you a little bit of, about home fellowship, about why and what they are uh, different from a Bible study. Or, yeah, they have a, they're a little bit different from a Bible study. So I want to explain those differences, and then I want to give you a sample of what one might look like, the components that would be in a home uh, fellowship. And, so, and, and what would make them very powerfully effective versus just good uh, because neither you know of course a bible study is not a bad thing at all it's a good good thing and it has it produces but uh, home fellowship is a little different and it produces some other things that uh, we would want to to see as uh, followers of Yeshua. 
and his, see his kingdom grow. So, um, first of all, uh, before I say much more, Don and I had experience in East Africa. Uh, we're not experts at all, but we've had some experience. And so from those experiences we're sharing, uh, we were in East Africa. We were there 10 years, and um, we would meet individuals, and they would invite us to their home, and we would start studying and growing. And so through those 10 years, we and our three other uh, teammates, uh, couples that we worked with, um, began. we sort of learned some of the um, practices that were effective and some that weren't effective. And by the time we finished up there, there were uh, uh, just over 100 different fellowships going on, uh, different sizes and different strengths and maturities, but they were some were brand new and some were mature. But a, a little over 100 fellowships going on after 10 years. We were went to in uh, East Tennessee in Appalachia, and after 24 years, uh, we probably could say there were two uh, fellowships that were going on that had come out of our work, one local or maybe um, uh, in two towns nearby one another. We had groups of people. And then uh, one person from our area went away to another city, another state, and started a fellowship there that grew based on our this way we had done things to begin with. So we saw growth there. So that's been our experience with uh, starting in homes and working with people kind of from scratch or from a very few people and watching them grow. So based on that, here's what we've learned and what we recommend. First, um, I would say that um, um, and add to that before I get any further is that this, what I'm going to describe or something very close to this is not something that's totally our we didn't make this up ourselves. We experienced it, and since then we've been learning and seeing that it's happening in other places in the world. Other, God has also shown other people that similar patterns is the way his kingdom and, and people work. And so it's become, what I hear reports about is in, in uh, other nations, in even non-friendly Christian nations, it's become uh, a part of the fastest, uh, the biggest part of, of the growth of Christianity in the world today. It's really the, the way that, that much of the growth that's going on is happening. And it's because it's, it's very simple. It's easy to duplicate. It's easy to, to do. It's very intimate, um, very fellowship-oriented, uh, very practical, and it's, uh, and it's intended to multiply. And so it's fulfilling its purpose. So, with that, I will say a little bit about the difference between, um, so therefore, why it's, it's good that we're doing these things. Uh, those who will be involved at whatever level, it's very good because it's going to see us, we're going to grow, both personally and as a fellowship in numbers. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the differences between a, uh, a home Bible study and a home fellowship, or a Bible study and a home fellowship. Some of the, the major differences. One is um, the Bible study, and, and these are my view, version of these, and so I could be wrong, but this is what I understand. I would say that um, the Bible studies are, are and, and, and by the way, this is not anti-Bible study at all. This is just explanation of what the differences are. Continue to have Bible study. Everybody, please continue to have Bible studies. Did I say that? Continue to have Bible studies. Yes, for sure. One more time. Very loud so everybody can hear. Have Bible study, please. In fact, yeah, we want that. 
But for those who are going to do home fellowships, there are some differences in your gatherings that you'll need to incorporate. Uh, first of all, uh, home uh, fellowships are intended to multiply. A Bible study is generally we're going to have either a short time where we're studying a topic or a text, or we are just meeting regularly to continue learning about the scriptures. And not necessarily we would like more people to come, so in that way we want growth. But it's not intended that that group will divide and grow. Whereas with a home fellowship, it's intended, it's, not, it's expected as part of the DNA thinking up front is that at some point we're going to multiply. Not divide as in we don't like each other, but we're going to multiply into two and eventually those will multiply. We'll keep multiplying because we want to stay, we'll have to, based on the fact we want to stay within the boundaries of, we have to stay within the boundaries of we have limited space in our place. And, uh, and we're not moving towards <coughs> a corporate gathering together, you know, keep expanding that way. But we, we intend to uh, multiply into different spaces. So that's one of the DNA components. It's just the mindset of multiplication. And then um, uh, Bible studies, I think, are primarily, primarily uh, for education. We're learning about the Bible. We're studying the Bible. So we're educating, we're learning about God's ways and his truth. And I would say that home fellowships would add a little bit um, that it's education and, and uh, training. We're learning, but we're also training someone else at the same time to go and facilitate another group. So when we have a, a home fellowship, whoever is facilitating that home group would want to invite someone to be their assistant, which is really, I'm training you so that when we get too big for this space, you're going to go lead the next group. You're going to go facilitate another group. So there's always some training going on in a home fellowship versus a Bible study. Most Bible study teachers, they're the teacher and they're going to do it. They're not training someone else. One day you're going to teach this, or soon you're going to be teaching this somewhere else. It may be that way, but not for all. So I would say one big thing is that you're, in, you're training someone as part of a home fellowship. You have to be, keep in mind there's someone you're training to go to when you multiply. The other thing is um, Bible studies are, uh, they include information. Um, they're about informing and educating and learning. And home fellowships would include information, but they would expect application. That's a big difference. We, at the end of a Bible study, it's like we should do these things, or this is good information to know. We hope that people will do it. A home fellowship, you go home and you know what you're going to do with it. You already have made up, we expected we're going to go home and we're going to apply this this week. The truths in this uh, text or this learning today, we're going to apply this this week in our lives. So there's an expectation of application. It's a, it's a heavier emphasis on application than maybe some Bible studies, where we hope people will apply it, and we expect they will apply it, but we don't send them out expecting, we're going to go do that, um, or at least without a specific ex, uh, expectation. Prayer, um, prayer is a part of both Bible study and home fellowship. Um, in home fellowships, prayer is a centerpiece it becomes the power. We rely upon it because we, are, we make it an emphasis. And it is the power behind all that will take place. And so prayer is, is important in both. But just Bible study, pretty much the study, the scripture is the purpose of what we're after. And in home fellowship, I'd say prayer has a different emphasis there. So it's a centerpiece. 
Um, in a Bible study, confession is not necessary, but in a home fellowship, confession is essential. It makes for the intimacy. It makes for, the, for it being real. It becomes authentic, and it is being lived in people's lives. That adds to the authenticity. So in home fellowships, confession is a very important, essential piece, an element of home fellowship. The other thing is that um, I would say Bible studies are teacher or kind of a teacher-student dynamic where there's someone giving the instruction and we're all learning and listening. And, uh, and I would say that home fellowships is more of a rab- rabbi Yeshua and disciple um, um, dynamic where we are listening to the, to, to the rabbi. We're listening to Yeshua. And then we as disciples are going to go do it. How do I make that? How do I be like that? How do I do that? How has that worked in my life this week? Again, we're very application-based in the home fellowship. So we're getting people to think in terms of not just getting the information as a student, but I'm going to imitate that. So let me listen to see what needs to be done, and then I'm going to go do it. So it's, it is disciple-oriented in that way. Bible studies produce, um, not, not only, but they tend to produce... Um, uh, informed followers, uh, more informed, uh, better informed, educated and understanding uh, followers of the Lord, which is good. But it's different uh, from home fellowships, which are designed and intended to produce engaged disciples. The difference would be between hearing the word and doing the word. The imp- both are good. You've got to hear the word to know what to do, right? But don't just be hearers, be doers. And the home fellowship attempts to take the hearing and make us doers of it, and therefore disciples. So these few differences in emphasis are in home fellowships on purpose, and they're not necessarily the emphasis in home Bible studies or in Bible studies in general. Again, we're going to do Bible study, but just when we're together in a home fellowship, there are some pieces that we would add to those. Um, Here's a sample uh, of what I'm talking about. Um, you might begin, these are, this is, and this is just my rendition of this, and it's very fluid. That's one beautiful thing, is that you can make this, create this in any way you wish. Today, here, uh, we had a, 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 Tim had prepared some material, and, and we didn't follow it. Uh, we took, uh, we started with um, uh, looking at um, the first item, which was to pray for one another, and that's where we started. And then we, we never left that. Really, we, we pretty much stayed talking about prayer and the items that were brought up. We talked about, we ended up talking about uh, some principles of Scripture. Scriptures were mentioned by different people. And then in the end, we had a song that was uh, beautiful and was appropriate for what we've been talking about. We prayed for one another. We, um, we shared with one another. So that's the way it went here today. So this is uh, an outline, but it's not etched in stone. It's very fluid. That's one thing about home fellowship is you really can pay attention to one another. You will be paying attention to one another and you can, you can shift gears and you can go a different direction depending on the needs that, that arise in the, in the gathering that day because it's small and it's intimate and it's under your control as a group. So I'd say one part of it is prayer. Home fellowships that have prayer. So the Siddur, reading that, reading the prayers together, or uh, praying for one another. Prayer, as I mentioned earlier, is central. It's, it's a major component, and it needs to be there uh, in every home fellowship. So prayer. 
Another part would be some kind of study, uh, reading or discussing scripture. Um, it doesn't have to be that there's a teacher that um, is kind of the, the teacher, the formal recognized teacher, but there will be someone to facilitate, and that's what makes it so easy, is that uh, you don't have to be uh, as knowledgeable as Grant is or as any of the others who get up and do a great job at Beth Coon of teaching. Um, you can use them live streaming or books where people have studied and then work off of that. Or you can just read the other night at our home. We were with a few people and we just read a short passage of scripture and prayed and asked one another from that, how do you see that applying in your life? It was very simple. It was a great discussion. And everybody went away with something practical to do. In fact, we came back today and Tim was talking about something that he had done with that since we were together in in that meeting. So it became very very practical. So um, there's prayer, there's study, reading or discussion of some kind uh, of, of scripture. And then there's some application. Now this is, the next two I'm going to tell you are, are, the, are very important. They make the difference. Um, when you've finished reading, discussing, talking, listening, whatever you do, when you've finished your, your study time, the facilitator, somebody needs to ask the question, what will, what, okay, well, what will you do with this, this week? And everybody needs to say, I will and then say what they're going to do. And I would encourage them to write it down. I will, and they write, on, really write, what they're going to do with the truth, the, the scripture, the message from that meeting. I will, this week, with God's help, do X. Okay? And it has to be measurable to some degree because it, will be, it won't be effective otherwise. So if you say, I will pray more, that's good. It's not really measurable. It's not really a goal. So I will pray three times this week as opposed to one time. That's more measurable. Okay? Or I will be a better Christian. Okay? That's not measurable. So how do we know you're better or not? Well, that means I will stop throwing darts at my children when they are, you know, make me angry. Okay, that would be a good thing to do. Um, or I will um, give my husband... More, no, I'm kidding. Give my husband a break and let him mess up a few more times, but that wouldn't be good either. Um, I got too personal there. So, uh, no, but we have some kind of practical application that we say, I will, and you decide what you will do. Okay? Got to do that piece. So we have our study, we learn, we grow, and then here's the application. I will this week, whatever it is. And then you have time of fellowship. Uh, it can be a cup of coffee. Uh, it can be a glass of water. It can be uh, some light desserts if you want to do that, or it can be like an own egg meal. I mean, everybody can come together, and uh, and you can fellowship around the table. I encourage that while you're in the fellowship that you don't do that. You try to continue to discuss the matters that you've been talking about or something that's important, and not just go into chit chat about you know how about the Browns this year or uh, some other, you know, politics, or, or some other arena that you might tend to get into. But spend some of the, it's okay to do some of that, of course, but I would encourage you to, the facilitator, to take the initiative to try and make sure that some of the conversation, and not just facilitator, every person involved, to, do, to make sure that some discussion continues on in, about the deeper things over uh, the meal or during the meal time. 
And then the last thing I would say that makes a big difference um, is that when you come back together the next week, let's say that's week number one, and you've had prayer, study, the I will application statement, and then you have fellowship together. And you can have song in there. You can have other things that you want to have, but those are the basic components. The next week when you come together, this is really big, and this makes a huge difference. This, this puts power in these things that makes them alive. They cannot be dead if you do this. They cannot be dead. It really allows the Holy Spirit in when you do this. You have a time. It can be after the prayer. It can be any time in that, that, uh, that schedule I just gave you. But you, somebody, the, the facilitator will ask the question, what happened? What happened last week? And leave it. It's not, did you do yours? Did you do yours? Did you? I mean, that's condemning and that's not comfortable. And, you know, people are not going to come back when you do that. So don't ask, did you do it? Did everybody here do their assignment? Did anybody here do their assignment? Ask the question, Okay, last week we all said we would do something. What happened this week? And those who applied that will have something to say. Somebody of that group will come back and say, well, I had this unique experience. I'm telling you all this happens because I have people do this in counseling when I tell them I want you to do this thing this week and they'll come back and they'll say, well, this is what happened. And I'm surprised. I'm blessed. I'm shocked. It's great. And it's because we give, we, we go, oh, we're doers of the word. And when we're doers of the word, the Lord shows up in that. And he says, good for you. I know my kids, when I do my, with my little ones especially, when they do something that I want them to do, even, let me say this, even back it up from there. Yesterday I was on the phone with my grandchildren and they, they have a puppy. They're getting a puppy. And they had questions for me about puppies because we used to raise golden retrievers. And so they interviewed me over the phone about uh, how to raise puppies. And they asked one of them some questions. And one of them I said is when the pup, you know, how to train the, the puppies. And I said, when they do, you tell them like sit. And you put your hand on their back and they'll sit down and you say sit. And then when you remove your hand, if they stay down for a second, you go, oh, good dog, good dog. And you rub them and you just, oh, good, 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 good. And they love it. And, it, you know, at some point they begin to know that when you say sit, they're about to get, you know, a good thing. And they'll drop down and you scratch their ears. And so... Um, when you, when you come together and you say, and when you go to the Lord and the Lord says, this is what I want you to do, and you go do it, the Lord says, good, 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 because he wants to encourage you. He wants us to keep going that direction. And we get to come back and say, you will not believe. I obeyed, and guess what he did? It was good, 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 good. And people who are visitors will want that themselves. And people who are on the edge will want that themselves. It creates an appetite for him his Torah in their lives, which is the goal. And that's why I say it makes disciples, because it makes people who want to apply, to know information and apply application, God's word. And, uh, and it creates a movement. It, it creates a, because it's God behind it. It's not just mechanics. It is really God. So um, accountability, what happened, is really important to ask. And uh, sometimes you'll come together and people, nobody will have done their assignment. It's okay. That is, not a, that is not a misfire. That is okay. That's where we are. That's an indicator. That's where we are. We're kind of weak on this. We need to work on it. So this is what happened. We came back. And we, nobody had anything to report because we didn't do it. Okay. So what are we going to do? Well, I think we should try it again next week. Okay. Let's go. And let's see what happens. The second week, people will do it. And they will see. 
And it's just growth. It's just growth. Okay? It's not performance. It's application. All right. Last thing, and I'm going to wind up. Um, here's how I would encourage you to, I'm going to give you how to begin a home fellowship if you want to, if you want to be, uh, to in, initiate that, if you need to do that because of logistics and whatever. I would encourage you to do that. And by the way, this, these same things, these same steps can be applied um, anywhere. In your Bible studies, make them more like that. Ask, you know, what are you going to do with the Bible study tonight? And when you come back to the next time, say, what happened? So apply those uh, over in our discipleship meetings. I'm sure we're going to be doing that. Uh, when we get together in discipleship, that's part of the training is to ask those questions so that they have this, this uh, positive effect. So how do you begin a fellowship? And then I have two verses that I think are supportive of or instructive uh, along these same lines. One, uh, so how to begin the fellowship is you, because some of you are on your own, uh, some of you aren't sure about how to do all this, don't feel comfortable or confident doing all this, and some of you are just in another country or in a different state. I know my sons are intending to follow along with us in uh, Tennessee and, and begin in their apartment or their house with their buddies, and they're going to start from there, so they're starting from scratch. Some of you are in that situation. Um, so um, I think the first important thing is to pray for someone. God, direct me to someone or bring someone to me. But pray for someone who will assist you. Someone who will join you, but someone who will assist you in it. And so um, you'd be watching for, I've heard that called the person of peace. When the Lord sent out the 72, he said, when you go out, and uh, I'm going to send you out when you go out and be looking for this person of peace who will receive you in and accept you and kind of let you stay in their home and then go to that person. So be asking God, God, can you help me identify someone that I should either join or someone that I should ask to join with me? So start there. He will show you. Apply it. I will pray this week, every day, or I will pray until, daily, until God shows me either who I should join or who I should invite to join me. And you tell us what happens because it will change everything. So we do that. Invite that person. When you identify that person, invite them to assist you or to join you. Uh, or you ask, can may I come and join you? Go join with them and um, try to identify who will be, you'll be part of or who will be part with you. So pray about it and then take action on it. Um, so, and uh, in, <clears throat> as a part of that, I do think it's very important that you be praying. If you sense that you are to facilitate a group, I mean, it's just to, either to host or to facilitate a group, I think you need to be praying, God, raise up two people. Give me direction, but also whoever will assist or who will, be in, uh, who will lead the group. So we need two people in each group. And then I think you need to, then after you identify that person or you are, if you are the facilitator of the group, after you identify that person who's going to be your assistant, people who are going to come in, then set a time and place. And then practice those few elements that I mentioned earlier. Uh, prayer, study, application, fellowship, <clears throat> and accountability. <clears throat> Last thing is, just to summarize, um, I would say home fellowship, If you want to, I'm trying to put it in a very succinct package for you. Home fellowships are application-driven versus education-driven or information-driven. They do include information and education, 
But the emphasis is an extra one, which involves let's go do the word and not uh, only hear or learn the word. So in Matthew 7, the Lord said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Something very important, not only knowing it, but, <clears throat> but doing it. And then we read in our Siddur today, uh, page 54, a part of the, the prayer was this. And I spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them that they should make for themselves tzitzit upon the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and they shall put, them upon, and they shall put upon the tzitzit of each corner a thread of tekelet, that it may be tzitzit for you, that you may see it and remember all the commandments of Adonai. So there's education, teaching. You've got to have, we've got to know the commands. And that you may do them. So there's the other component. It's not only hearing, but it's the doing. And we all want to be doing that. Whether you're in a home fellowship, whether you're over at Wadsworth with the fellowship there, whether you're in a Bible study, just, just studying to learn. I would encourage, or in a discipleship group that we're going to be having, I would encourage us all that we all, or in your home, just in your Bible study in the mornings when you're reading the word before the Lord, ask him, what should I do with this? And write what you will do with that and then go do it. And you watch what happens. So that's <clears throat> more than my time, but that's, fine. that's what you get that's when right. you invite me that's up. All right. <laughs> we won't do that again. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I just don't behave. Anyways, do you understand how a tree works? And, uh, you know, the, the roots, thank you, Steve, that's, you really brought that together, that there's, there's more of an, an application feature, prayer feature to the home fellowships, and our goal is to reproduce. Every Sabbath home fellowship, its goal should be to become two. All right? That's how we reach out. It's like, look out world, here we come. And uh, just as the branches, they need the roots, we need the strength of everyone praying for us. The branches in nature provide tremendous nutrients back to the roots. In the forest, what happened to the leaves when they fall? Fall to the ground. What happens to them? They nourish the roots. So it's this wonderful cycle of each being dependent upon the other with this living thing. In Corinthians, in a few more chapters, we'll be coming to the part where Paul talks in detail about how we're all members of a body. We have different functions. But we're all members of the same thing. We need to be doing what God has called us to do. So, if God has called you to become a branch, then heed that call. Stick your courage, what is it? Uh, put your courage at the sticking place. Is that what Shakespeare, screw your courage at the sticking place. Whatever that means, it means be strong. Be brave. Now, I'm going to do something that's going to require bravery from Tim. He has no idea I'm going to do this. It just occurred to me. Uh, if you have a directory, you have my cell phone number. And if you have questions, you're out there listening at Wadsworth or in your home, wherever you are, and, um, and you have a, a question you'd like to text to me, go ahead and do that right now. And uh, <laughs> we won't put these up on the screen. But uh, if there are some important questions or concerns, this will give us a chance to provide some feedback in real time. Now, what I'm going to do tomorrow 
is I'm going to be sending this questionnaire out to you. And if I'd had the forethought, I would put this on the screen. But I'm going to send this questionnaire out. And these are the basic questions, so you could be thinking about them. They're all yes-no questions, and we're not going to grade your paper, so don't worry about that. I am currently hosting and or facilitating a Sabbath Home Fellowship. So if you're already doing this, I know several are, let us know. Let us know. And what is the difference between hosting and facilitating? Hosting means it's at your place. It's at your apartment, your house. Facilitating means you're the one kind of overseeing it and making sure things go the right way. So some of you might be, uh, you know, I've got a big place, but I don't feel comfortable facilitating, but I'd welcome people in my home so someone else can come in and they can kind of help oversee the group while you simply make sure the house is ready for them to come. Hosting, facilitating, both extremely important. And if yes, I have space for blank number of people or more people. So let us know what you have space for. Another question, I'm currently attending a Sabbath home fellowship, though I am not hosting or facilitating. If you're attending, we want to know, okay? And uh, I am interested in hosting and or facilitating a Sabbath home fellowship and would like more information and assistance. Another one, I am interested in co-hosting a Sabbath home fellowship. You can have a home fellowship that meets in one place for one, two, three weeks, and then the next month or the next week, meet at a different place. You don't have to always have it at the same house. After all, you're going to travel sometimes, maybe take a vacation, or maybe not with COVID, I don't know. And uh, so this is the flexibility that's built in. Another question, I would like to attend a Sabbath home fellowship. I don't know where they're at. I would just like to become part of one. Let us know. And the last one, I have other questions about Sabbath Home Fellowships. I would like someone to contact me to discuss them, and we will do that. Once we get this information back, and of course, how do you get it back to me? Well, you can email me. You, don't, you can uh, scan this, take a photograph of it, send it to me. But really, all I need is this. If any of these are yes, then just let me know. Just, just email me, text me. Um, you can give these to me on February 6th where we meet over at Wadsworth for our, our big corporate service. Uh, but get the information to me. Just give me the information. Then once we compile that, our next thing is to get all of those who want to host and facilitate or are hosting facilitating, we want to gather you together. We want to gather you together to encourage you, to give you some advice, to answer questions, to do what we can to help you take the next step with this. And uh, we just want to get this moving. Leadership must start with the host and the facilitators. And uh, we have a couple ladies at Beth DeCoon, uh, Deidre Noctegall and Marty Steiner, who are going to help organize all this and map it out, find where people are, where the groups are, and help uh, get people channeled in the right place. This is going to be a dynamic thing. It continues to change over time. So we want information from you so we can begin to call leaders and host together and begin to help you with this. Yes, Robin. What about the folks who are not here in our area but out of state, out of country? Right now we want people who are in part of the immediate geographic Beth community. 
Yeah, I mean, we, could, we welcome questions from outside, but the meeting will be for those here. We want to get this kicked off here. And those of you who live out of state or out of the country, we do have some exciting plans for you coming down. Not quite sure what those are, but. Oh, chat function. But I don't even know how to do that. What am I supposed to do with that? I don't have to do anything. You're going to do it. Oh, this is so cool. Wow. Modern technology. This is wonderful. Okay. Well. Join the chat function on Vimeo if you have questions. All right. Yeah, well, I can get text right here on my iPad. Now, my iPad's not showing up on the screen right now. It's just me, you poor people. Okay. Um, so anyways, I have my iPad going. Oh, we have one. All right. Grant, this may not need to be addressed immediately, but are women allowed to facilitate and or lead the home fellowships, or should that position be filled by a man? That's a great question. Next question. <laughs> I would do this. It's awkward when you have a woman leading a group of men. <laughs> and you can blame it on our maleness. It's hard for a man sometime to, to function that way. In fact, this is one of the things we'll be getting into in the next couple of chapters of Corinthians. Uh, I would recommend this. Yes, if women want to facilitate, go for it. But I would do it with other women. Do it with younger women, okay? But if they're going to be men in attendance, it'd be healthiest and best and protective to the ladies to have a man up there. To co-host, to co-lead, co yes. So with that caveat, and we can discuss this more later, but that is an excellent, excellent question. And here's another one. It says, what happens if you start going to home fellowship and realize weeks or months down the road that you want out? Maybe you want to join a different one or just want out. How do you leave it uh, as it's so awkward and may make the relationship with that family awkward forever? I would say if you don't belong there, if it's not the right fit, leave and do it as unawkwardly as possible. It's okay. It's all right. Um, we're not going to handcuff anybody into a group. These are going to be dynamic. They're going to grow. You might be traveling 10 miles to be in a home fellowship, and the one opens that's only five miles away. You say, if you don't mind, I'm going to get to something closer. So this is going to happen. So um, don't worry about committing because you're afraid you might have to, to step out. Uh, we're just going to be loving and forgiving. And um, I know over the years that Beth the Coon was merely a home fellowship. People came, people got what they needed, people left, and it was okay. Some people stuck around, and here, almost 28 years later, they're still here in the room. So, um, so just do it graciously. Just do it graciously. But we're not going to make anybody locked in to, uh, to something that is not the right fit. Here's another one. The function of the branches is now more clear. Thank you. Could you be more specific about the function of the trunk? Yeah, hold up the branches. And um, it's a place where people can come that um, 
who want to be part of these discipleship classes and structure that Dan was talking about. It's a place where they can go and learn. And you know what? If you live close to, especially if you live close to the Wadsworth location, that's a no-brainer. That's a place where it would just be natural to grow. And um, there's a, a lot of things that are going to be happening there on Shabbat mornings that uh, are good for the people who just don't feel called or prepared to be part of a home fellowship. And please don't at all look at people who don't participate in a Sabbath home fellowship as being less spiritual or, or whatever. Um, we need people locked in there and to be praying for us and for people with especially large numbers of children, large families, that's a better venue for them. If a home fellowship gets way too crowded, it can get uncomfortable. So find the best fit for you. Uh, we're not wanting to do one to the exclusion of the other. We would never want that to happen. So um, and here's something else to, to keep in mind. If your home fellowship grows and divides into another and another, three or four, you become kind of the trunk to those others as you be continue to feed and, and to, to breathe life into them and support them with your prayers. So, um, so go before the Lord. Where does he want you to be? What does he want you to do? And here's the nice thing about this, with all this flexibility. Some people will do their Sabbath home fellowships on Shabbat evening and then go to the Wadsworth uh, meeting uh, uh, group in Shabbat morning. Some who meet there on Shabbat morning can then have their home fellowship uh, on Shabbat afternoon or evening. There's, there's nothing exclusionary here. And uh, this is the part of the flexibility and creativity and life that is opened up to us now. So there's so many possibilities and combinations of things you can do. All right, here's one that came through. David. Okay, is there going to be more direction and help? I should, you should just get a microphone, probably. But how to handle children in the home, especially if they're below. We lock ours in a little room right there. I can see them through the glass. And then we let them out when we're done. <laughs> but, uh, yes, there will. And Steve will be handling all of those questions. Steve and Donna, they'll be handling all of that. But I do know over the years that we met in our home and in the Rose's home, uh, we got really creative. There are a lot of things to do. And to include them. Now, if they're infants that just need to sleep or they just need to play or cry, then there, there are things to be done. Um, one of the, the things, and this prompts uh, uh, a thought, is that as we go forward with this, we're going to be producing some podcasts here at the Ministry Center and these podcasts will address specific questions that arise in home fellowships, and this is one of them. What do we do with the children? We'll provide lots of creative ideas, and as we get more creative ideas from those who are doing this, we'll be presenting those as well. What do you do if a wolf slips in? Somebody comes in, and they just want to take over, take charge, and draw people away to, to, to follow them. How do you deal with wolves? We've had plenty of them in Beth the Coon, we always won, they've always lost, and we have great strategies for that. Um, 
there, there are, I'm not even going to go into all the things we can talk about right now, but how do you know when you're big enough that you need to divide into two? Do I have to worry about people just dropping in unexpected? No, we, they, we want this to be by invitation, that whoever is hosting the group, you're on their turf, and we don't want to bring anyone into someone else's home that they say, I don't have room for. So between the host and the facilitator, you can decide how many people you can, you can have in there comfortably, and the facilitator can help to decide if someone is a problem from outside, someone who's contentious, not from Beth the Coon. We don't have those people, Beth the Coon. But um, if there's someone who could be difficult, maybe we need to meet with them separately to make sure they understand the dynamics. A lot of things here we're going to uh, produce some podcasts for to help you as we continue to go forward. I heard, oh my goodness, I have all these dings here. And David, I saw your hand up, didn't I? Do you have another one there? I got a microphone. I was putting it on. But I do have something to say. Yes. Um, Especially if you use Gmail, um, yours... Uh, and Steve's are going to the promotions folder, mm-hmm. which is like a trash folder almost. Yeah. And, and that conversation will need to be dragged out of that yes. folder and put into your inbox yeah. for it to start showing up there. Right. And if there are problems like that, feel free to contact me, David Deacon. Right. I'm in the directory and I can help you. If, if you're on the list but you're not getting emails, uh, the, yeah. it's probably going to your trash or promotions. Okay, you all heard that. Thank you, David, for reminding me. Yes. This Tuesday on my restoring home, we're going to feature how to take care of kids in a home class. This Tuesday on the restoring the home, that yes, sign up. Steve's uh, restoring the home uh, newsletter. It comes out on a Tuesday. He's going to be addressing how to take care of kids in a home fellowship. So uh, make sure you you get that print up. Sign up for that. Okay, I've got a few more here. So let's just go through these quickly. It says we're over time. Will there be any guidance weekly for what to cover in a home fellowship congregation? Thanks. Uh, that's a great question. We have the, uh, the weekly teachings that will be coming out of here uh, that we're doing on Corinthians and other topics that not just myself but others will be doing. So those are available, something fresh and new every single week. That's something you can incorporate in. And to start off, that might be what you do. I would say if your home fellowship, uh, if you've got someone there with uh, teaching abilities, begin to branch out. Take time to start discussing the Torah portion. And those of you who have teaching abilities, or many of you, this is one of the things we want to address as well. We want you to use those skills. We want you to develop them. Your home fellowship may decide that we want... uh, John Jones to facilitate a discussion on the Torah portion um, each week at our home fellowship. We'll watch Grant's teaching or whatever. We'll watch that on our own on another time. I'm not, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I want leadership to develop. I want teachers to develop. And this is a, a safe, um, less intimidating format to do that. And as you develop your skills, be ready to take on larger and larger ones. Okay? Will you be Zooming the discipleship or Hebrew classes for those like me who live in another state who want to learn? 
And uh, yes, we're going to do our best to do that. This is especially with the Hebrew. Uh, I was just talking with, um, with Bob this morning about doing the Hebrew class, which is very interactive. It's very jumpy, a lot of action. So Tim and I are going to figure out how we're going to do that. So uh, we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best to, to get the Hebrew classes uh, going. And uh, one more here. And the metaphor of the trees, what is the ministry center? A second trunk, a root, a birdhouse hanging on a branch? No, we're a box of potting soils, what we are. We're just helping to feed the branches. This is just the technical end of uh, uh, where we can produce very practical resources for children. We have a children's ministry center here where a resource room where you can, parents can come and check out things for their kids to take home for homeschooling. Uh, counseling takes place here how many times a week? Three, four days a week, probably. Uh, we're going to be producing podcasts. We have a high Sode group meeting here every Sunday afternoon. We have uh, elders meetings taking place here about once a month. We have an Oneg room where you can have a Bible study and maybe some kind of reception in there. And we have, we have multiple events going on. So when you need a different space than a home for something you want to do, then this is a place. But uh, this is a place we have 24-7 to produce materials and teachings and all kinds of things where we can just provide, provide fertilizer and hopefully some sunshine to keep this tree healthy and growing and doing well. All right. I feel like an auctioneer. I've just been talking so fast. But uh, I hope this has been helpful. Um, I, and I just want to extend a word of gratitude to your elders. A great group of guys. We have all been wrestling with this. The enemy has been attacking us. But if I may say this in public, we kick the enemy's butt. And we won. And it's because you've got elders here who love God with all their hearts, soul, and resources. And they love you. They love one another like they love themselves. I don't think there's anything that could ever, ever tear us apart. And uh, Dan, if I'm not mistaken, and Steve, we came out of this stronger than ever. And we're doing great. We're doing good. And uh, so be encouraged. Beth Coon is healthy. It is well. It is growing. And uh, we have a, a, a wonderful future ahead. We really do. And I think Beth is going to be going into the future for a long, long time after I'm dead and gone. Or I hope gone and, and then dead. I hope that's the order. Yes, Robin will let you close this up. It's so significant that this is the month of Shabbat, which is the month of yeah. a new tree and new yeah. life. Let me repeat this before you get too far ahead. Yes, Robin had talked about this uh, at the Rosh Kodesh when the women got together to celebrate the new month. This this month in the Hebrew calendar is the month of Shevet, which is the month of trees, coincidentally. And and so at your Rosh Kodesh gathering a little over a week ago, the theme was trees and how uh, trees picture so many different things. So go ahead and finish the thought. That's it. It is appropriate. Yes, yes. So, let's all continue to grow and support one another with our prayers. And um, 
with our resources, with our efforts, and, um, and serve one another as we serve the kingdom. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you've brought us to. And Lord, as we can begin to, to look just a little bit over the horizon at the future you have for us, Lord, I pray you continue to bring it into greater focus and clarity for all of us. And uh, I pray that the unity and strength of Beth the Coon would continue to remain strong for this next generation and the generation after that. And that we will pass on to our children and grandchildren a family and a community that is well-rooted and strong and has a, a strong yesod under it, a, a strong foundation. And I pray that you continue to uh, make yourself known to us. As Lord, we just seek to serve you and to be a light and to be fruit to a, a very dark and hungry world that seems to have lost its way. So, Father, bless us. You have, and I pray you continue to, so that we could be a blessing to you and serve you, to serve our king, to serve his kingdom. And we ask all of this in the name of our King Yeshua. Amen.